to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. So before we get started, just want to give a quick spoiler alert. There are spoilers for the book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, in this episode, as well as the rest of the Twin Peaks series and Firewalk With Me. So we're here today to talk about the uh, Secret History of Twin Peaks, which was released five days ago. Yes. Aiden and I have both finished reading it. I finished reading it the day it was released. And uh, Yes, you did. And Aiden has been reading it since. And I finished it, yes, last night. Yes, so we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And a pretty dreary Sunday afternoon in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, but with the ideas fresh in our minds about the book, we wanted to get our, get our thoughts down so that we could put this one in the can and then maybe release it at a later date or... Well, whenever. Whenever. We'll yeah. see if our theories turn out yeah. to be... No, no. We'll release it before the show starts, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, in what relation to the to the rest of the episodes that we have now, we don't know. Yeah. But, so anyway, these are, these are our rambling thoughts about the secret history of Twin Peaks, which... Yeah. Yeah, we'll get started with. Uh, so to start with, let's a uh, little bit of history on the book as we do with the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book was originally announced in, on October 16th, 2014, and it was called The Secret Lives of Twin Peaks. And uh, Mark Frost, who was one of the co-creators of Twin Peaks, uh, was going to write it. And he said it was going to fill in the blanks on what happened in the 25 years between the end of the second season and the start of the third one on Showtime next year. Uh and then that's not at all what we got, though. First of all, the title changed to The Secret History of Twin Peaks. Uh, the release date of the book changed as well. Yes, And of this course. was in response to the issues that Showtime and David Lynch had regarding the contract negotiations. Um, the budgets, I think, were an issue, or maybe it was just David Lynch's yeah. uh, salary was an issue. I don't... I thought I'm it was not, production value. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was production some, money, yeah. Something, something happened in early 2015 that delayed the show. And I, I'm fuzzy on the details. At the time, I was going through some personal issues. Twin Peaks was not foremost on my mind. Um, so I'm not 100% sure on the details there. I do know that a fan campaign was spearheaded by Sherry Lynn Fenn, who played Audrey Horn in the series. And she was really instrumental in getting... Um, uh, I, I can't remember what the hashtag was. There's a hashtag. No Lynch, no Peaks or something like that. Okay. It, it, anyway, I was not involved it was, in this, yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was a really great campaign, and it, and it really did get... Uh, I think it helped get the show back. Yeah. Because there was so much fan outpouring of support from fans... And, and David Lynch did reach out to Sherilyn afterwards to thank her for that. So, so that all happened, and then we got the, the official... Well, we don't even have an official release date as of October 23rd, 2016. They for, said coming to 2017. Coming so. in 2017 is when we'll, we'll see the new episodes. But we did get this release date for The Secret History of Twin Peaks, which, uh, as we mentioned, came out on October 18th, 2016, yeah. and was met with considerable backlash from some corners of the fandom okay so just to be upfront here Lindsay is in the fandom i am not <laughs> i just read the book Lindsay has been online since she read the book uh talking to other super fans and discussing theories and talking about that so Lindsay will be talking a lot today i will be trying to be the sober second thought or sober second voice i guess for uh some of those theories well no i i think this makes it really good like this will be less of a bickering peaks episode and more of a 
just a discussion between I, I I hesitate to call myself an Uber fan because I'm I think there are people out there I know there are people out there who always, live and breathe a bigger fish yeah. yes exactly yeah. but out of the two of us I I definitely am far more immersed in yes you in knew about Sherilyn Fenn driving yeah driving the fans and stuff right. so. I, and but Aiden coming to this from from a relatively you know yeah, fresh uh, untainted yeah, yeah. <laughs> untainted viewpoint I think makes this it could be a really interesting discussion because you're coming to it with fresh eyes so yeah. um, with that in mind I think we can dive right in and why don't you tell us what the surface reading yeah. a surface read of the book what. What is it about? What is well, it about? Well, first, first, let's just say it's not a novel in the traditional sense. Yes. Yeah. It's you. A, yeah. You it's looked an, it up. It's what is it called? Epistolary novel. Epistolary novel. An epistolary novel meaning uh, epistolary coming from the Greek, which means a letter. So, so epistolary book novels letters, are, are yeah. books that that use supplementary material to tell a narrative. And uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is mm-hmm. a good example. Um, the Afro Ben in the 1680s wrote one. Uh, oh. What was it called here? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, Love letters between a nobleman and his sister, which oh. is I own that book. It's on it's oh. on our bookshelf All here right. somewhere. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's so it's, it's, it's kind it's, of a literary device. It's it's yeah, it, it's it, telling it, a story not through direct narration. It's through exactly. everyone else's voice. There's no there's no author's voice, although there's kind of with well, the, the FBI agent that takes notes. But even then, it's it's layered because on top below that there's the archivist's notes uh and then there's the individual i source so yeah pieces, you're yeah. throwing out all these words now let's Sorry, discuss yeah, let's who these are so uh so it's called so basically what the book is is a collection of documents a dossier a dossier that's been uh discovered by uh the fbi after a crime that was committed in, in july july 2016 the, July 2016, yes. Yeah, so only a few months ago, this crime was committed, this dossier was, was discovered found. in a box that was custom yes. made for the book. For the book. And it is now being given to a new uh, FBI agent. Well, you don't know new, but uh, an FBI agent we're not familiar we, with yeah, in the show. Yeah, we've never met this person before. Uh, by Gordon Cole. Who, by Gordon Cole, who is... When we met him in the show, he was the regional bureau chief of the Philadelphia field office. Uh, he was Dale Cooper and Agent Albert Rosenfield's boss. Uh, he has since been promoted to assistant director of the FBI, so clearly he's done well for himself in the in the last twenty five years. But he's given this dossier to this FBI special agent redacted TP. TP is what the only initials called. we have for this this FBI agent. Although it is revealed at the end, but we'll get to that. Yes, yeah. but but it's a woman. She is uh, given this dossier with the express purpose of, of finding out who created it. Who and it's. The, Not just who created it, but what what does it mean? Well, What's no, no. The... the the explicit instructions are find out who created it. I guess. And then, uh, but there, there's a whole lot of mystery surrounding that. Of course, it is a book full of mysteries. Mm-hmm. It is a Twin Peaks themed book, so yes, there are tons of mysteries. Um, there's discussion of what mystery is even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but yeah, so so the person who's collected all the documents is called them, they call themselves the archivist. Yeah. And they have a bunch of writing. They they have written a bunch of. Uh, I guess not almost commentary on some of the documents, but yeah. also uh, narrating some of the documents, tying them together, saying, oh, this is the same person as from a previous news article or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so her job is at the TP uh, FBI agent is to discover who the archivist is. Verify and, some of the information yeah. that's come out. Yeah. And, and really kind of analyze the document, as a, uh, the dossier as a whole. Yeah. Uh, so that's what 
so that's how the book is set up. There's archivist notes, there's other documents, and then there's TP's notes on the margins. Which are, yeah, they're... Um, they're usually just kind of like... Notes, yeah, yeah, they're basically footnotes. They're saying, yes, this is real. I can confirm that this happened. Uh, this information is not... Or this draws into question something else or whatever like that. We think so, this person... This document was written by this person yeah. with 96%... Accuracy, yeah, yeah or yeah. whatever. Like they it's, do a it's lot a, of handwriting analysis. And stuff yeah, like. so it's it's some of that happens, and and which makes for a really interesting read. I think I I first started reading the book. Uh, I had it as a, an audiobook first because I couldn't wait for, for the, the two o'clock delivery yeah. of my book. So I downloaded the audiobook at midnight and started listening to it overnight. And I found that I don't know if you because you didn't listen to the audiobook, Aiden, no. but. I found that listening to the audiobook was pretty seamless. I thought yeah. the because the TP's notes are are written in line with the document where they appear. Yeah. So when a sentence ends in the audiobook and there's a footnote by TP, it just goes directly to the footnote. So it does it does it's I thought it would be confusing, but it actually ends up being quite seamless and I really enjoyed the audiobook version. Yeah. I think if I had to and I've heard this from other people who've said the same thing that reading it made it a little bit more disjointed because you kept having yeah. to go back from well, the so, original source yeah. to the archivist to T P to the archivist yeah. to you know, so and, and there was some there were some footnotes that the font color just was difficult to spot the footnotes. So then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're looking to the side to the margins and you're seeing a footnote and you're like, well where does this actually line yeah. up? So it was just a little little extra work. Yeah, I think footnotes the footnotes were, would be were red allowed. but pale red. Yeah, so it's it was, an odd well, it's not an odd choice, but it, 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 it clashes did, yeah. on certain backgrounds. Like, yeah. It's, so it's Which, just it, it, that's just a, a nitpicky thing on, yeah. but, but I think you'd have that problem with. Yeah, pretty much anything. Yeah, it it's not matter. white on, or black with a white outline yeah. that shows up on everything. Right? Yeah. So, but yeah. So, um, and where does the book begin? Where does the dossier, oh, the dossier begins with these, this FBI memorandum from yeah. Gordon Cole to, to this new agent. Yeah. Saying, here's your mission analyze it, figure out who the archivist is. And then she uh, writes up a little a little blurb about yeah, the she box just, that it's in. Yeah, and, she describes the, the box, how it was itself. found. Yeah, and then... How uh, it's a really well put together book, too. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very a nice... bound very well, and there's, like, everything is very well preserved. Everything's in little plastic sleeves to keep yeah. everything safe. She's measured how many microns thick Yeah, the... thick everything is. Yeah, so yeah. it's... She feels a little like Cooper in that yeah. respect. Like, very, very meticulous. Which makes you think, is that just the FBI? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any <laughs> FBI agents personally, but you know, they always seem to be portrayed as bumbling. Yeah. Not maybe not bumbling, but but they're not they're not your favorite people on TV shows. So they don't, don't get know. a lot of X Files and Twin Peaks. Yeah, no. Well, okay, <laughs> those are the so, only ones, really. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fringe. Fringe has yeah, yeah. FBI agents yeah. that are yeah, not bad either. I guess. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah. so yeah, and then and then it goes right into these um, the first documents, the first the archives... doc original documents, yes. which she's been tasked with verifying yes and those documents relate to uh what is it it's the uh oh yeah it's it's all the way back so it goes it starts chronologically and then it jumps around a bit but it starts at the very history of the twin peaks uh area, era and area which is uh the lewis and clark expedition into the northwest yeah and which so, yes so a little bit of background here just about the lewis and clark yeah. just for our listeners who maybe aren't american, american. history bus buffs at all which I'm not either, I'm not, yeah. but I, didn't I know, know anything about them. So. I knew who Lewis and Clark were. I watched a documentary about the mysterious death of Meriwether Lewis, which um, kind of spurred me on to learn a little bit more about the Corps of Discovery, which was commissioned in 1803 after the Louisiana Purchase by uh, President Jefferson. 
and he asked uh, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark to go on this expedition. It was part of the American uh, Manifest Destiny trying well, to reach... Before there was before Manifest, there was manifest Destiny, but, yeah. it, but it fits in with that whole yeah. uh, feeling of we, we want access to the entire continent. This yeah. is going to be our land grab. And they were going against British and French uh, explorers and Spanish. and Spanish explorers from the Well, from Louisiana the was still a French colony. Like, you've pulled up the map right here. Yeah. So Louisiana was still there. Span- Span- the Spanish territory going all, all the way up California, California, down into Texas. Mexico, like all of New Mexico. So really, so. You're, this is like what was known as Oregon country or the Oregon territory. And, and it was the only one that was kind of unclaimed at that point. Yeah. Uh, they they hadn't the even, British I don't have... even think there, there were, Lewis and Clark, by all accounts, were the first known European explorers to hit that area. There were some in the uh, Vancouver area, like yeah, yeah, that had come up from the north and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well but through, through Canada, Canada and yeah, everything. So, Canada, like the west yeah. coast of of Canada had been kind of discovered. So, so anyway, but Lewis and Clark were the first ones to come inland through to the Pacific Ocean, and they they I think they reached the Pacific in eighteen oh five or eighteen oh six. Makes sense. Um. And yeah, so so how it ties up with Twin Peaks is basically everything. <laughs> like so in in the in the uh, the book, uh, they find once they're in the Northwest, they stumble upon uh, kind of uh, the first kind of mystical experience described in the book, which is um, well, they they the the Lewis and Clark, and this actually did happen. They did encounter the the Nez Perce uh, yeah. First Nations tribe. tribe. Yeah. Which First Nation we call them First Nations in Canada. They'd be Native American, or Indigenous, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the Pacific Northwest, who were named by French explorers later on. But these people were were the first Aboriginal people that Lewis and Clark encountered in this area, and they were the ones who instigated this mysterious event. Yeah. That Meriwether Lewis Lewis yeah. has happened to him, yeah. and I found out that this actually did not that the mystical thing happened, but he did go away for five days, yeah. and there's no letters and nothing no saying what he, what he did. did or anything, yeah. So right off the bat, you've got Mark Frost doing some incredible research and and saying, yeah, "Hey, here's five days history, yeah. where things you know aren't clear, aren't clear." Let's have Meriwether Lewis go off and visit Snoqualmie Falls and yeah. or Whitetail Falls as they're called in the in the Twin Peaks universe yeah. and maybe he goes to the Black Lodge. Yeah. Who knows, right? Because yeah, so. he comes out the the gist of how it ties back to Twin Peaks is that he comes out with the ring that is central to Fire Walk with Me. Well, um, he's given the ring by the yes by the Native American, the chief of the tribe. Yes, or they tell him, but they tell him never to wear it. Do not wear it. Keep it in this leather pouch, pouch around your neck. And so right away, you're, you're wondering like, what is what is? Well, this you get chills, don't yeah, you? It's yeah, kind of exciting. It is. It's very exciting to think like, well, because he describes not... the ring, and and you know exactly what it is because yeah. you've seen. Well, and, the, the and he does draw it out the symbol yes, that right. appears on it. So uh, you do get that right away. Um, yeah, and it's really it's really cool to think that this is just you know one more step in the long chain of <laughs> of things that have tied back. But it's the to... first step that for European yeah. settlers because obviously this is this has been part of First Nations or well, Aboriginal lore. Their, yeah, their lore, their people. myth, their religion really is yeah. is kind of based around the kind of stuff that happens in yeah Peaks. exactly. So. So Meriwether Lewis writes letters back to Thomas Jefferson describing what he saw, kind of, 
And Jefferson is understandably very concerned that, you know, Lewis yeah. has taken leave of his senses. Yeah. Um, but eventually comes back to... The Midwest. Uh, I think he sits up. He takes over a colony in Illinois or something. Yeah, like and 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 there's hints at Freemasonry. And, yeah, and they, yeah, the they lodges, discuss a lot the Masonic of lodges that which tie back really nicely to the black and white lodges, yeah. Masonic lodges. I don't know if there's anything there yet, but it's one more layer to the mystery. Yeah. Um, so yes, then the the Corps of Discovery returns, and, and then you get the sordid history of. Meriwether's death yes. and how the book basically sets it up that he was murdered for the ring yes. and potentially for other things, other reasons. But uh, it's really kind of an, uh, a conspiracy theory about uh, Lewis's death. And uh, do you want to, do you want to talk about what the, that story is? Just briefly recount the story. Really. I mean, it's just, he, he gets murdered and the ring's missing and uh, he gets stabbed in the back basically by a, a, a not really a colleague or a compatriot, but like a almost competitor uh, who uh, ran a separate territory or something like that. I don't remember the details. Like that's the thing. No, they know. weren't. He he was just a he was a guy that was supposed to. He was traveling with him, from what I from what I yeah yeah. I don't, he was I don't remember with exactly. Him but that's the that's what the book sets up. Yeah. In in actuality, in real life, it was uh, declared, origi- a suicide. declared a suicide originally. Um, there was a fight. His his descendants have have come out and asked the National Park Service. Lewis's body was buried under uh, on the Natchez Trace, which is a uh, the it's under the National Park Service banner now. Yeah. So they they have to get permission from the National Park Service to dig up their ancestors' remains and do analysis on on his body about. Because the circumstances of his death were really suspicious. He was shot in the back of the head and shot in the stomach. And apparently Meriwether Lewis was quite a a marksman. marksman. So, So, A, why are you going to shoot yourself in the back of the head? Yeah, how do you even shoot yourself in the back of the head? That's a really awkward way to commit suicide, right? (laughs) It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then... and then even if you did do that, how can you how can you screw that up? Yeah. If you're an expert marksman, like you're not going to make that mistake. So, and plus he had cuts on supposedly had cuts like all over his body, which stuff, looked yeah. like defensive wounds. There was a, an analysis done when his body was moved. I think was it moved or was it it was placed under under a uh, memorial or something? Yeah, yeah. There's a memorial now. Yeah. And and a coroner at the time. 50 or 60 or however many years later said the body was preserved enough that he could see that yeah i think this was not. more suspicious not suicide yeah. so so but all requests have been denied by the national park service so so we don't really know which leaves a lot of room for um speculation yeah, and mark frost like goes there yeah, and that's fantastic and, because yeah. all of a sudden one of the the founding explorers of the European, at least the European history of the United States of America, is suddenly very tied intrinsically to the Twin Peaks story. So, um, and he does this again and again. Yeah, the book, so. which is just fantastic. Yeah. I think the next time that we that we see this is with, well, the discussion of the Nez Perce uh, as a as a people. Yeah. So there's a description of how they were moved off the land. Right. And, and they fought a, a small battle to mm-hmm. try and make their way to Canada, and they failed. And um, were yeah, eventually they were moved onto a reservation, reservation in New somewhere Mexico, else. maybe yeah, or something, yeah. but not their land. And and then at some point, were moved back to the Pacific Northwest, but shared 
a reservation with six other tribes, yeah. I think. And there were nuclear test yeah. uh, sites that that, that were caused... based on the land that they had. And, and yeah. yeah, and yeah. so when they when they were back on their original land, the people who were there ended up with um, cancers and all yeah. kinds of issues. So so it's a it's a story that that references the um, the injustices that were served out to the First Nations or the, the um, Aboriginal, Aboriginal people of, of yeah. the United States yeah. at the hands of the government. And you find out uh, in the book that Deputy Hawk, Tommy Hill, um, is a full-blooded Nez Perce, which was never quite addressed. His, his, no, his ethnic heritage, heritage was, was of, never addressed in the yeah. TV series, but... But this ties it back to to that as well. So he has access. It makes sense now, looking back, why he would have access to all of this information, um, specifically related to this area, because the Nez Perce didn't exist. They were a Pacific Northwest tribe. Tribe, Um, And and then reference to the curse. Well, kind of a curse. Not really a curse, but just, I don't know, how would you describe it? Yeah, I don't remember that part of the the book very well, because I was just kind of... I was more interested in the like the movement of the tribe and and I was looking for clues as to how this tied into the Black Lodge White Lodge kind of situation mm-hmm. and that's not really super clearly articulated within here like there, there's never any point in the book where it says okay this is the answer this mm-hmm. is the answer to Twin Peaks that's just not how the book operates it's not how Mark Frost operates I don't think it's not how much. you want them to operate no exactly either. yeah you want to leave some ambiguity yeah but. Uh, so yeah, so at the first time I was just kind of reading through for that, so I don't I don't know exactly right. But uh, I think I, I think there's there's a a hint that that there would be retribution, yeah, for the wrongs that were done them by the government. So so suddenly there's now uh, you've got Meriwether Lewis with the ring and traveling potentially to what sounds a lot like the Black Lodge. There's references to classical statuary and black lines on the floor and silent men, and that yes. sounds a lot like the Black oh, Lodge. and the other thing that came up from both of these pieces is uh, Lewis also finds the map of the Owl Cave. Right, right? yes, so, Owl Cave, which so, shows up, which, uh, sh- yeah, shows up a couple of times. And he also finds the Sycamore Circle yes. that is in the last episodes of yes. Twin Peaks Glastonbury as well. Glastonbury Grove. Glastonbury Grove, so. So, yeah, so... Um, in between the the Lewis and Clark Corve discovery and the later story of the Nez Perce, you have um, another story told by some gold prospectors yes. in the 1840s. Yeah, I forgot about them, yeah. Uh, Denver Bob Denver and Bob. Wayne Chance. And the, the character we're getting, the letters that we're reading are written by this Wayne Chance, and he's talking about his buddy Denver, Denver Bob, Bob and how they've traveled to this area and they found these weird. Um, well, they're looking for gold, and yeah, yeah but they find yeah oh, bodies up in the trees, trees and stuff. Yeah. So like, that are, like weird burial, and yeah, stuff. weird yeah. burial rituals that have been going on, and um, and they stumble across across Owl Cave as well, and see the map on the wall that Andy sees um, later in, or that Andy dis- deciphers yeah. in the the second to last episode of. Uh, the, the the series, series yeah. and they are scared out of the cave by something yeah that they think sounds and feels like a bird yeah like a, a giant owl and that's the other yes. thing that comes up a couple times giant owls. Yeah, yeah owls which they yeah. are not what they seem yeah but 
But, so yeah. Okay. So we have so we have this, which which brings up some other aspects of of already established Twin Peaks mythology, mm-hmm. such as uh, Bob. Bob is that Denver Bob? And he's referred to as DB yeah. in the in the letters as well, which which calls forth um, references to Agent Cooper, whose middle name is Bartholomew, first name Dale, so DB Cooper. DB Cooper also being the name of the hijacker. hijacker. In nineteen what nineteen seventy one or whatever yeah, it was, was who, yeah. whose name was was not actually D B Cooper, but it doesn't but matter. Yeah, That's what we know it's him now as. The so pop culture. So it's it's there. just you know nice little nods. Does it tie in with anything? We don't know, we don't but know. it's it's kind of you know worth noting. Yeah. Um, and then from there it it proceeds into not quite the modern day. It 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 goes into the kind of twenties and thirties right. up to the through the war, and the focus is on. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, you were in Dougie Milford. Milford yeah. Dougie Milford, yeah, yeah. okay. So. so he's the, we know him in the show as the newspaper man who, he's uh, the who's publisher of the, the publisher Twin Peaks of the Twin, Post. Yes. Yeah. Who uh, gets married in the second season to the, the young lady Lana thing. Budding. Lanny. Yeah. Oh, what a great name for him. <laughs> Anyways, and then, uh, and his brother, of course, is Dwayne, the town mayor who's yeah. been running Mayor the since post. 1962. Yeah. Yeah. And who's you know, and they have a running bubbly feud. incompetence. There's, yeah, they they yeah. kind of hate each other and stuff. Yeah. But in the books, the book is actually it's almost I'd say like maybe a third to a half is actually about uh, Doug's Doug Milford's uh, random adventures. Yes. Like he's basically tied up into all the mysteries of the 20th Which century. Which is hilarious to me because he's such an incidental character played for laughs yeah. in the, the kind of the... Well, it's only in like three or four episodes. Yeah, right? but and, and they're some of the the lowest points of season two. Yeah. Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, it's yeah. right after Laura's murder, uh, murderer has been revealed and that whole case is starting to wrap up and the series didn't really know what they were going to do. And so we had all these weird storylines and yeah, Doug Milford's up. random marriage to you know 19 year old or whoever however, yeah. however old she is uh, Lana Budding is one of those strange yeah. stories that you don't but yet he yeah he takes up I I would say it's more than half of the book yeah. is based on on Dougie Milford's experiences that, going all the way back to him being a, um, a private in the well, he was. Well, so he's he was a scoutmaster. He was in yeah, the Boy Scouts. Yeah, he was in the Scoutmasters, and he came across. He came into this grove. I think it's probably Glastonbury Grove. I think yeah, it's not maybe really clear it's not which really one clear, it is. But, but there's a field, uh, and he has some sort of paranormal experience. Yes, and he also sees um, uh, Mar- Margaret Lanterman, who at the time was Maggie Coulson, little seven-year-old Maggie Coulson, or nine years old, or yeah. however old she is. Uh, abducted by aliens. Well, ostensibly. Uh, ostensibly. They, they, she disappears for a day, they come yeah. back a day later, and she's got they this don't weird remember. Branding tattoo. Yeah, she has a, and she's a little different. And yeah. Stuff. So, so, so he witnesses that, that event, which is referenced in the, the series. Yeah. Um, and then he goes off and, and, yeah, he enlists in the army. And shortly she, well, after. Well, he kind of bums around and becomes a drunk, and then he, yeah, he joins up the army. He, yeah. And then he gets bumped down to a private, but he gets moved over to Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah, so he's there for the Roswell, He's there for the Roswell incident, incident in 1947. And that gives him a promotion of some sort because right. he, I don't well, know. Well, what they, he does is he goes in and, and he, because of his previous paranormal experiences, yeah. I think they think he's... He's qualified to investigate this. So yeah. That, so his, yeah, so he winds up on... Basically, what winds up being three different kind of mini military projects mm-hmm. uh, focused on UFOs. The first one is to discover if they're real. The second one is to kind of cover up that they 
the government doesn't want which to is hilarious there's hints of like him being a man in black and yeah. stuff which is really cool and very like like an x-files like that that yeah. whole the whole ufo thing really felt very x-filesy yeah um like he could be the cigarette smoking man for a lot of it uh and then the last one is kind of a private project that he goes on to with president nixon gives him yes. some instructions and some cash to uh try and discover if he, yeah, yeah. Try, try and find out the truth about extraterrestrials Either, and that, either extraterrestrials or other some sort of other species that's living amongst us. Right. And that leads him to um, establish... A listening post. A listening post. Listening post Twin Alpha Peaks. in Twin Peaks, which is where Major Briggs Major comes Briggs in works. at the end of the... Well, yeah, throughout the series. That's yeah. his job. Is yeah. He works at the listening post there. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. in between all this, Milford ends up meeting some of these amazing characters throughout oh, history everybody. that we know from other conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Or other conspiracy theories, like L. Ron Hubbard plays a role, yeah. and um, uh, Jack, Jack Parsons, Parsons plays a role, and, lab and Fred Christman, who 50s. these are these are all characters who Fred Christman was involved was suspected to be one of the the shooters on the grassy knoll. At, um, oh, okay. I think that was yeah, Fred that's right. Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That came out and, too. Yeah. Uh, right. So, so now all of a sudden we've got like all of these major moments in American history, all the way up to to Richard Nixon. Yeah. being impeached days, are, yeah. are all now tied in with Twin Peaks. Lore. I hate to say canon, but yeah, okay, yeah. Twin Peaks lore, right? Yeah. And there's hints that Richard Nixon had the ring. Had yeah, the, no, the he did. Ring, like he, he's, and, yeah, um, he was wearing it. And here's the, just a weird little thing. Uh, every time uh, Milford would say someone's wearing it, they would say he's worrying it. Worrying it. Yes. Oh. And I noticed that he said it two or three times that and it was always him, it was never the archivist. See, I was I was listening to it. Maybe I didn't hear it. Uh, Maybe it I would didn't sound hear like wearing, wearing, wearing. wearing. Oh, I didn't was, catch that. Yeah, so written it was always worrying and so I could never tell if he was actually wearing it on his on his fingers or, or if he was like, just, he had it on his person, he was playing with it maybe or something like that. Interesting. So that was just a, a neat little touch. But yeah, Nixon has the ring, uh which is interesting because that was it was right before he got impeached, so 75, 74. Oh, no, he was impeached in 73, Three, 74, yeah, so. Yeah, so. Uh, and this that part takes place, I think, in 71. One, yeah. No, it was, no, it was before, it was after he got elected, I think. I don't remember. But in any case, yeah, the next time we find, hear about the ring is in Fire Walk With Me. Right. Where Teresa uh, Banks has Teresa it. Teresa Banks has in, it. So that's 1988. So there's, so there's a gap of uh, a yeah. good 14 years, at least. And it winds up back in the we Pacific have no Northwest. Idea, which is fascinating. So yeah. I'm hoping that. I'm sure that the series will delve into that. If they brought it up in the book, it, it might come up so from there. So I just want to jump around because one of the most interesting, like the closest you get to like a truth statement is from Doug Milford talking with uh, Nixon. Nixon takes him and Jackie Gleason, Jackie Gleason yes. the three of them pile into a, a car and head off to a military base where they see in, an, Florida. It's, in Florida. It's a hidden underground base. Yeah, a bunker. Yeah. And basically they're shown an alien. Yeah. Uh, it's like the semi-transparent kind of alien that flits in and out of, of view. And it, it inspires fear in everybody who looks yeah. at it. Like Nixon yeah. is dabbing. Sweating. His, sweating his, well, and he was always no, kind sweating, of a sweaty but, guy. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so is Milford's terrified even though he's faced lots of weird And Jackie before. Gleason, who was, a, who was a UFO buff and had a, a circular-shaped library yeah, and like, that looked like a, a UFO yeah. craft. Yeah, they were all he terrified. He was terrified too. So, so it was, it's... And that's like... And I think uh, I one part of the uh, in, an interview I, I read or saw with Mark Frost, I can't remember which now, uh, he says, well, is it, is it aliens? Like, the book is never really clear. Right. And, that's, and that is true. Like, you, you read through the book and it's like... Well, they make references to other beings from 
you know, various occult yeah. sources. Yeah. You know, Lemurians and yeah. you know these these white these tall giants these yeah, white the, the people. Yeah. The Norse giants. Yeah, yeah. And and giant owls. There is yeah. a giant owl that that Dougie Milford claims that he's he seen saw, in the and forest. Someone else at one point, I think, saw it too. I don't yeah. remember, but yeah. So so there's there's hints that it's not. It's not necessarily aliens that we've come to expect them as as Martians or yeah, you know green men from other other planets, but that they might be, you know, already living here, which makes the whole Elron Hubbard thing really yeah. interesting because the whole idea behind Thetans or that or Thetans, however you yeah, pronounce it, yeah. is that they they exist here. They were here first, and or th- or that they yeah they, yeah, they, they were waiting for us yeah. and then we evolved or they evolved into us or something I don't so know. and there's more than one race i think did yeah they said there was like six or six, seven yeah or something. so 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 all of a sudden the, the that mystery has deepened quite yeah. a bit and you're and you're not sure like how this connects to the twin peaks characters of like bob and mike and and the little man from another place and all the and the doppelgangers right, right like, exactly. the, like are the doppelgangers just uh from another world are they uh, are they reflections? Aliens? Yeah, are they aliens? Are they reflections of us that have been made manifest? Like, yeah. it really doesn't answer any of those kind of questions. Which it but, shouldn't do. No, but but it, but it definitely does give more possibilities now. Sure. It's not just it, well, and that that was always supposed to be the idea. I remember reading um, that if after Firewalk with Me, the well, no, in in the series too, creamed corn played a role. Yeah. And you find out that it's called the the lodge spirits call it Garmonbosia, which means pain and suffering, and it's what they feed on. What it, that's what it appears that gives them their strength. Yeah. And in an interview, I read that a fam- fairly fairly famous interview with either Mark Frost or David Lynch, probably just David Lynch, but that um, these lodge spirits originated from a planet that was entirely made of creamed corn. So this was something that was, yeah, but it was, it was something that came about early on. And I think there was always supposed to be some kind of extraterrestrial or intraterrestrial. No, I don't know. I don't know, but otherworldly. Yeah. Other species. And and that's not just human uh, at play here. That's what the book is kind of billed as, is to get to the the mysteries that were only hinted at in mm-hmm. Twin Peaks, and it really does. It focuses on all the other uh, myths and stuff that, that like, like even in the, the very first dream sequence in Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. when there's a UFO that flies by. Well, there's yeah, a shadow it's a of shadow, it, right? but it looks like and it you're could like, be a bird. And it's never picked up again. It could be a bird. It could be an owl. Yeah, Who but knows, you don't right? know what it but is. But you don't know what it is, and, but it, I mean, it, the initial thought is it's a, it's a UFO. And, but it's never touched on again. It right? is an unidentified flying object. Exactly. So, yes. okay, I technically you are correct. Yes, but it, it gives that impression, right? Yes. And it's never picked up again, but it, here in the book, it's like, no, this is actually part of the central thing yeah. that's happening in Twin Peaks is potentially extraterrestrials or UFOs or spirits. They, they or live something. underground somewhere. Yeah, or, you know, there's Lemurians. Yeah, it's yeah in Owl Cave yeah. or behind the falls or yeah. something. So so it's all it all it these things that seem really when you watch Firewalk with Me or you watch the later episodes of of the series and you think this this is just random shit that they've thrown yeah. at the screen. Yeah, you start picking up here an appreciation like, oh, okay, that you're like, this no, was maybe intentional. This was, yeah. Or maybe it wasn't intentional at the time, but they've made it intentional yeah. now. They've they've given it a backstory, and that I think is that plus the the sheer amount of research that Mark Frost put into this part, and it makes up about two thirds of the book, I'd say, is tying in 
actual historical no. um, facts with yeah. with what with we... the, fa- the fiction of Twin Peaks. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and that is just so it's hard to do. I've tried doing it with yeah. some of the stories that I've written, yeah, and it's and it's, it's taking easy. years. So I don't know how long it took him to write this, how long he's been working on this, but um, well, yeah, it, it must have been years. And he's, you got to assume that it it ties in with uh, the episodes that are upcoming, right? Like it's well, you think so? I mean, David Lynch had nothing to do with the secret history yeah. of Twin Peaks, so yeah. but, but he, you would imagine but they wrote that they, the episodes. Together, yes, right? and so. and I'm sure that he he you know if he must have given his blessing, I'm sure he wouldn't let something go out there without you know he's he's. I would imagine he's read it. They've probably gone over this a couple of times. Yeah, so it's not like this is. I was I was reluctant to buy the book just as an aside, just because the other books that that exist in the Twin Peaks world are they're almost apocryphal. They're not, or they're 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 pseudo canon. I hate using the word canon, but but they're 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 not really. do you mean they don't add anything to the canon, or well, is it that they contradict canon? They contradict canon. They're not written. They're they're written by people who are tangentially related to the Twin Peaks world, like yeah. Scott Frost. Mark Frost's brother wrote the My Life My Tapes, the autobiography of Dale Cooper, and Jennifer Lynch, David Lynch's daughter, wrote the Secret um, Diary, of- Diary of Laura Palmer. So they're not just random people writing these books, but but you don't get the sense that that they're supposed to fit neatly into the rest of canon you can easily ignore them yeah whereas this being written by mark frost you think there's got to be some more weight to it because he is one of the co-creators of this world so so that ultimately is why i why i put my pre-order in a couple months ago after debating it for a while but But, um so the and then the other uh well let's talk about the ending just briefly because it's the only part that that well, no, I guess we can go. Well, no, because the other third, like you said, two-thirds of it is based on history and mm-hmm. may, mostly Doug Milford fitting in. The other third is about uh, the characters that we did meet in the show. And most of it's just the back history of them, like how did Big Ed and Norma meet and uh, how did they fall in love? How did, uh, what happened between uh, Norma, no, not Norma, uh, Nadine. No, yeah. So how did Nadine lose her eye and everything? Uh, how did Norma and Ed meet? You already said that. Sorry. I mean Norman and her husband. What's his name? Hank. Hank. I'm terrible with names. Sorry. Uh, how did they meet? Uh, like Hank was super devious the whole time and kind of stole her from Big Ed, who was over in Vietnam at the time. So you get the, those kind of stories. Mm-hmm. You also get uh, some of them written from the character's point of view. Right. So you get uh, Deputy Hawk. It, you find out that the bookhouse boy is one of the, the tenants of their uh, involvement with the bookhouse is that they must journal regularly which yeah. i think is adorable yeah you know yeah, these tough so, guys just yeah writing just writing the, feeling their feet yeah. and the kicking up behind them yeah it's but you get hawk writing he's the one who tells us about how Nid- big ed and nadine meet yeah. um you get cooper has written yeah, some, some art entries, entries about, about andrew packard and josie packard you get um, uh dr jacoby writes a, a book that's not really about any, well, he you have some of his medical entries about some of the yeah, people like Nadine. Yeah, he writes about Nadine, and he writes another one. Uh, about Laura. Yeah. But he also wrote a book uh, about, yeah, about his psychotropic drugs, yeah. and that one's interesting. We'll come back to that one later because it, it hints at more uh, mm-hmm. reasons or ways that the book can itself and be interpreted. He, there's, there's other things, too, like um, newspaper clippings from the yeah, what the was Twin called Peaks. the Twin Peaks Gazette at the time. Post, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's there's excerpts from uh, bills of sale 
and yeah. legal documents relating to the sale of the mill. The mill, um, which is even more confusing now. You get a, a letter from Audrey to her father, written and yeah. left for him the morning that she goes to uh, the bank to uh, protest his involvement with um, the Ghostwood development. And... Yeah. So it's it's a lot of backstory. Backstory for the characters that for the for the characters that we know from the series, yeah. and a few that don't show up, like Donna Hayward is not mentioned, um, but you do find out about uh, that her father taking over, like Doc Hayward taking over from his father, yeah. Dan Hayward, uh, who was the original Hayward doctor in town. Um, you get you get uh, Catherine and Pete's backstory, which yeah, is also really nice. Yeah, how they meet with the kind of a Romeo and Juliet type yeah, of thing, situation. with the Packards and the Martells being Old rival blood mill, enemies, really. yeah, yeah, rival mill operators, and and this hilarious story about the Martells and the Packards back in the early 1900s causing a log jam on the river, and the fire, that, the a fire that down, yeah, yeah, a mysterious fire like a lightning bolt from the sky that that uh, sets all the logs on the river on fire and then sets the surrounding forest on fire and burns the entire town down. And that's when the, the Martells never recovered. So they become this kind of, you know, kind of working sad class, sack. Sad, yeah. yeah. And and the Packards obviously become the, the rich family. The Horn family who comes yeah. over and, and builds this grand, you know, department store downtown yeah. that rivals... Anything that you'd find in New York City, which I think is really funny because Twin Peaks is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, yeah, but yeah. here's this amazing, you know, Horns Department Store and the Bijou Theater that they yeah, that, help yeah, build, build and, and everything. This, yeah. So so it's a nice little um, encapsulation. Oh, you also get the, uh, my one of my favorites was like, it was like the earlier generation of kids when uh, they were in high school, which is Big Ed. Hawk, uh, Sheriff Truman, Sheriff Sheriff, Truman's brother, brother Frank, Ben Horn. They're all kind of in there. Jerry Horn. Yeah, Jerry Horn. They're all like, they were all on the football team together. And and so was uh, Hank Jennings and stuff. And you kind of get their sort of history of like their high school drama and stuff. I thought that was really cool too. Because then you're just repeating it. 20 years later. Yeah, which is funny. Somebody else brought that up in, I can't remember if it was a podcast or if it was a, a message board post that I read. But everybody in the show does what their father did yeah, yeah. for for, for a living, living yeah which is is kind of funny and except and for big ed big ed's dad sure. used to sell like uh the reason it's called big ed's gas farm is because it was uh originally just a farm right. drop off they used to sell eggs and stuff there and actually i never caught that but in the show the sign is actually an egg yeah glowing and like yeah. neon and yeah. stuff and it's a callback to when they used to sell eggs so i mean that didn't come out until now, 25, 26 right. years after that set was designed. So it's right. just a great little touch that they did have these these things in mind already. But. Yes. But. And but. this is a big but. None of the stories of the characters that we know mesh with the stories that we know from the series. So. Which is, when I well, read they, they, it. Some of them do. Just, just Okay, shush. yeah, you, okay, you go first. When I was reading this. And listening to this, I got extremely angry. And I was like, how dare they? How can they change this story? When the first thing that that struck me was um, reading about uh, Big Ed and Norma and how they, um, their story, their love story is told on screen. Ed tells Cooper how they were high school sweethearts and he... She went on a on an impulsive bender with Hank Jennings, and he went off with Nadine, and they they never got back together again. But it all happened in high school, so it yeah. all happened 
20 some years in the in the past in the book it says that ed and nadine met in 1984 which is only five years before the events of the series so it dramatically changed their backstory there's there's tons of instances in the book where things like that happen norma jennings is uh annie blackburn's sister annie blackburn is a character who comes in in the second half of of season two kind of to replace Audrey Horn as Dale Cooper's love interest, but also um, as the final catalyst for the the big end game with Wyndham Earl and the Black Lodge. Um, she's virtually erased. There's, there's no there's mention nothing. of Annie in the book. And no. she's a huge... The final line of the show is, how's Annie? Mm, yeah. Right? So how is Annie? Where Where is Annie? Yeah. Where Don't forget about and, and how she is. And it's not like Who is she? There's no chance to talk about her because... There's tons of there's opportunities. There's tons of... Especially at the end when... The end basically goes right up to the end of the series as yeah. well. Uh, the archivist describes, you know, what's happening and how he needs to talk to Cooper. Uh, and then... And you find out that Cooper's been missing for three days or however long he's yeah. in the Black Lodge. And, but there's no mention of Annie there's whatsoever. No, well, there's, there's no, no mention, mention of even why of the he's Black gone in Lodge, there. I don't think. No, but no, but he's talked to Truman, and Truman said, like Truman's theoretically explained to him why What's Cooper's gone in. The no archivist has talked to Truman. Yeah, the yes, archivist. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, and so there's an opportunity there, but there's no to mention. To talk about Annie, yeah, and there's the no mention. The complete lack of, of uh, Donna Hayward, and it might just be because Lara Flynn Boyle didn't, didn't go so quietly into the night for these, for Mark Frost maybe, and David Lynch. Maybe, maybe. But, uh, like, Doc Haywood is mentioned multiple times, but there's no mention of his daughter, no mention there's, of Laura Palmer's best friend. There's no mention of what happened at the end between Ben Horn and Doc Hayward when it's revealed that uh, Ben Horn is potentially actually Donna Hayward's father. Yeah. And they have a huge fight, and Ben Horn is rendered unconscious. That's the last thing we see from Doc him Hayward is just blood coming down yeah, his face. So yeah. Doc Hayward doesn't have his wife mentioned at all either. No. So maybe... So okay, so there's there's yeah, a lot of inconsistencies. What, what we're getting at is that there the the inconsistencies do not mesh with the rest of the book. So yes, we do get we get a nice little encapsulation of this town of Twin Peaks, but I'm I'm wondering what town of Twin Peaks are we talking about? Yeah. So there are a few theories now about why this has happened. One of them is that Mark Frost simply just didn't give a shit and just wrote the story he wanted to or tell. Or he's retconning or something like that. Yeah, right? like but but that like, this yeah. is this is. Uh, uh, an oversight or um, a, a deliberate rewriting of the history of Twin Peaks. I don't buy that because, like I said, the 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 rest of this book is so meticulously researched that I can't see him yeah, throwing all yeah. that to the I mean, wind. a retcon possibly, but he's been asked about that and he yeah. said no. That's yeah. the mistakes aren't. He knows when they're mistakes. Yeah, and, and he's called them mistakes. Yeah, and they're absolutely. I think they're absolutely intentional. He he said on Twitter a couple of days ago. I think it was on Thursday. He answered a question somebody had about Norma's mother because in the in the series her mother is revealed as a secret uh, food critic from Seattle yeah. who comes through town and and just gives a shit review yeah, of the, the double, double R, R. Yeah. and and she's just a mean person. Yeah, who's married? But her name is sure. Vivian Smythe. And Vivian Nile, she's married to Ernie Niles, yeah. who is a character, one of the minor characters, who the ends cops. up being kind of a bigger character yeah, than yeah, you think. Yeah. But he, uh, um, so the, they show up midway through season two again, or in the first Another half of season two. Another one of those two. plot lines that gets added, yeah. Yeah. In the book, her parents are described as um, from some Nordic country. Her mother's name is Ilsa. Her father's name is Marty. Mm. Their oh, last name is Lindstrom. They're... Uh, 
they they're both dead by the time yeah. uh, Norma takes over running the double R, the R in right. the middle yeah. of the 1980s. Yeah. So so right there, it's a huge retcon, or it's not a retcon; it's a huge mistake. Yeah. And he was Mark Frost was asked about this on Twitter, and he said that uh, all will be revealed in time. So <laughs> so that just right there yeah, just leads me up. to believe that mm. this these mistakes were intentional. So so leaving aside that these were. Uh, accidents there's there's, there's kind of three, three other options. main yeah. theories yeah. So, so you go ahead describe the ones so the three <laughs> theories that that i've seen that hold the most water anyway and i'm sure that there are going to be more and if there are more and you know of more write to us and let us know but the the first one is that we just simply have an unreliable narrator so either the archivist well there's is, a couple narrators right? yeah and there's so several that, that narrators. Does lend itself so, there, and that but. and that makes sense you know when you're trying to remember a story of something that happened 25 years ago yeah. you might mess up and you might get the mistakes wrong or uh, yeah, maybe, dates wrong or you might maybe those were nadine's parents who died or something and sure, she got confused or, with norma or, or something or, you know knows, norma like, was being raised by her grandparents and cooper made the mistake of of saying that yeah, the Lindstroms were her parents, parents, but they were actually her grandparents. Yeah. You know, these are these are things that happen, and we can relate to them, and it's possible. Um, but they seem like really big errors to be made, and especially when you have, you know, for instance, the the Big Ed, his story about how he and Norma broke up and he and Nadine got together, versus Hawk's story about how. Um, Norma and Ed broke up and Ed and Nadine got together are so different. Yeah. And even Hawk's voice in the, the journal yeah, that, that he That was gives, the first thing for me that was like, whoa, this is way off. Because he, like Hawk in the in the series is very quiet, soft-spoken. He's like a romantic poet yeah, almost, Yeah, he is. Yeah, right? he has this great voice and he's just, and he's very, you know, just sedate and, and, and a nice guy. Like he, like he's really, uh, like charming in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the, in the, book he's like just swearing all the time and he's, yeah, he's like a like a longshoreman it's yeah, hilarious it, it's and it's a total change of of character he's gruff and he's kind of not that you you couldn't be both but but i think i think lynch and frost had a, a far firmer grasp on his character than this would than that would let you to believe yeah. if he was all of a sudden in his written works yeah. suddenly you know yeah swearing yeah. up a storm and and, like and the way that. he talks about other people, like it's it's not quite as respectful as mm-hmm. as Hawk would, you know. So be with is that else. something you can attribute to uh, an unreliable narrator? Like, or did someone fabricate that book? Well, okay, so that goes into the That's second it. the second theory. So mm-hmm. before we jump yeah. too far ahead, the the unreliable narrator, it's something that is possible. I'm sure there's tons of evidence for it. I haven't gone through the book in as much detail, detail. as other people have, but. But there's enough evidence there that you could make a case that this is just simply a series of unreliable narrators making a lot of mistakes. Mark Frost is aware of those mistakes. He's done those on purpose in order to say something about maybe epistolary novels or to say something about um, the nature of memory and remembrance and memoir writing. You know, maybe maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Um, it does give me pause when you think about the how major briggs who is revealed at the end to be the archivist yeah. by the way yeah spoiler alert yeah <laughs> well, we, should, we, should put a, we should put a spoiler alert at the start we'll we go will. back and record we will. that yeah. but anyway um that major briggs at the end is um doesn't yeah. sound like major briggs at all well it doesn't it, it doesn't during when he's writing as the archivist but when he there's a there's a a recording of him talking to douglas milford at the yeah. end 
and there it and it, the transcription sounds like him like he's very like articulate and and again but then there's there's stuff. a section at the end of the book where he's writing and and he's using the the personal pronoun i for the first time and it doesn't sound like him and there are other instances throughout the book where i think he refers to someone as the hot young girlfriend um which yeah it's, yeah, it's just, something that you can't imagine coming no, out of briggs's mouth no so, he'd be yeah way more respectful than yeah, that, yeah so so it does call into question that it's it's like with hawk's thing i just i i don't buy that 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 so can be, is easily explained. it could be that the archivist is not in fact major briggs yeah and that someone was setting him up yeah uh who that is we don't know so like yeah so there's other there's other interpretations and that leads into the second theory which is that the the dossier is in whole or in part uh forgery which um which could explain yeah, that, that could, there's yeah. that the archivist is not Briggs, that it's someone else. People have thought, you know, maybe it's Wyndham Merle. I doubt it. I don't know, but yeah. but there there's evidence for it. Yeah. Um, that maybe it's Agent Cooper, uh, after his experience in the lodge being possessed, or or his doppelganger, you know, being possessed by Bob or whatever, is involved in compiling or writing the dossier. Um, Maybe there's someone higher up, maybe Douglas Milford and and some of the people that were involved in his UFO cases, someone with the FBI or the CIA or various levels of government are the ones who are compiling this dossier yeah. and and are forging it on purpose to, you know, deliberately mislead whoever finds it so that they can't, you know, obfuscating the um, the information enough that no answers can be found. Yeah. And that could be a potentially really interesting angle if they but decide to go with that. the problem with that is, then, why is the book out? Like, if, it, yes. if it's all a fabrication, I mean, maybe one of the characters in the book will, or in the series will uh, find it and say, oh, this is the sacred history of Twin Peaks, and be like, oh, and it'll be a plot reveal of some sort at that right. point. But that seems like an awful lot of work and an awful lot of backstory that's just about right to get wrong just to have like a minor plot point in this right. in this series well maybe right? it'll so, be a major, more major plot it might be a major, major one but but it does it, it does seem like it, it's yeah it just doesn't seem like uh within the text itself that that's what it's lending you to believe because mm-hmm. there's nothing outside the text and if there there is there's the fbi agent who's basically not confirming that theory at all well tamara mean, preston or whatever yeah. her name is that tp is yeah. the fbi agent and she never really she comes to the conclusion that major briggs is the archivist but I think there's there are things that she verifies in the book that don't match up with what we know about reality. Well, you For mean instance, from the series, like and from real life, like what? Like the existence of the the postcard that Norma sends to her parents on her honeymoon, which yeah. is sent in April 1969 after she's married Hank. She they go to ho- Hollywood and yeah. they attend a taping of the Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show. Yeah. Um, the two acts that are on there, uh, one of them is Sammy Davis Jr. and the other one, I can't remember who it is. It's a comedian or something. Something like that. Like yeah. that. Uh, they never appeared on a show together, not in one that was taped in Hollywood, and that's been verified by by independent researchers on the message boards that I've been going to. <laughs> um, they have verified that they those two never appeared on a show together. Also, the stamp and the postmark that are on this postcard. Um, indicate the date is April 1969. The post or the the stamp is of Neil Armstrong landing on the, on the moon, and didn't that summer, didn't happen yeah. until July 1969. Yeah. That that stamp didn't exist until September 1969. So Tamara Preston verifies 
a lot of that information, she would have caught that. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that the third theory... Can we jump to the third theory? Yes, I think the third theory is by far the most interesting. The third theory is that the reality that we're reading about in this book is an alternate one. An alternate reality in which... Norma's parents are named the Lindstroms, and man walked on the moon sometime prior to April 1969, and Nixon got his his program off the ground earlier yeah, for yeah. whatever reason or however he did it, yeah. um, where Norma and and Ed broke up because he went to Vietnam instead of just because he he they had a they tiff had a and or yeah, like. um, where Nadine lost her eye in in sometime in the mid 80s as opposed to the early 70s where Hawk is a badmouthed sailor. <laughs> yeah, where, where Cooper was shot instead of stabbed by yeah, William Yeah, where, where Cooper could know about Josie Packard and Andrew Packard on April, or on uh, March 15th, 1989, yeah. which well is when before. he writes this long, you know, case yeah. story, story about, about Josie Packard. Packard at a time, this is the day after Leland Palmer's funeral, and there's no way he had access to all of that information nobody nobody in nobody the show even suspected Josie well all. and nobody even knew that Andrew Packard was alive at that point so how could he at on March 15th have even written that Andrew Packard was alive yeah there's other date inconsistencies too yeah, like the like, date that the explosion happens yes yeah, so is wrong. so the date that the bank explosion happens in the show according to the timeline that I have which was compiled at some point on a Usenet board back in the early 90s I would imagine um is March 25th yes or 26 1989 and in the book it's listed in a newspaper article as being on march 28th yeah um the date of the mill being sold ben ben horn never bought the mill from Catherine. yeah but in there there's a bill of sale there's a bill of the... sale for it at on from march 23rd or something yeah and then there's also the fact that audrey in her letter yes. uh says that oh i'm against you developing ghostwood but by this point in the series Ben Wait, Horn. the the letter that she writes to him is the one that that she sends. She leaves on his desk, desk before she goes, goes to the bank. Right yeah. in the show, she, she yeah in the show he's with her in opposing the Ghostwood Estates. Yes. So, but in the in the in the le- book. in the book the letter is saying, oh, I'm I'm there's something more important than money, Dad, and I'm gonna oppose you. So and- it it totally subverts the entire arc of of Ben Horn, good Ben Horn, who yeah coming who around revealed at the end his he, he his whole thing about with the, Civil, with the War, Civil War, yeah. where Ben Horn um in the store in the show. Uh, he, he succeeds in turning around the South, winning the Civil War. Yeah, the Battle of Appomattox. Yeah, but he, he, yeah, in, yeah. In the in the book, they say, well, uh, Doctor Jacoby tells him leads says, oh, him yes. to a defeat at the Battle of Appomattox in order to accept that the bad things have happened to him. Yeah, because uh, he's pretending he's General Lee. Yeah, so I mean, is, there, there's just yeah. all these inconsistencies that are and just there's so a little many, bit... so many more too, like the fact that in the book. Uh, Leland Palmer and his family are described as arriving, coming from wealthy Seattle yeah. Palmers, that they arrive in Twin Peaks eight years prior or something, so that but, Ben can, which so Leland sense. can work with Ben. Because, but in the show, uh, Doctor Hayward admits that he delivered Laura Palmer and that their daughters have been friends. He and his daughter and Laura have been friends their whole lives. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah like things like that that do not, not match up at all. And so there's there's a bit of. I mean, obviously, with all the supernatural stuff happening, um, there's a lot of different ways you can uh, interpret it. I found the most interesting was Dr. Jacoby's book about taking psychotropic drugs because mm-hmm. there's a passage at the end where he literally describes traveling into a new world 
and and transform taking this veil of reality and there's a lot of that in the cult stuff too talking about uh getting past reality and yeah. into uh whatever <laughs> and and jacoby's though is like literally he he he's bound up and he's forced to take this this drug ayahuasca and then he, is what yeah he takes. yeah and then he wakes up and the shaman who gave it to him says ah you're in a new world yeah and it did Jacoby then, is he the only one who's maybe transferred from the prime Twin Peaks universe to, to whatever uh, this one is? second or third or fourth. And, and there's, there's evidence for this theory, which I, it's my pet theory. I really do hope that this is how it goes because I think it cool. really is cool. <laughs> but questions that I've had about Firewalk with me yeah. that have bothered me for years are kind of, I'm able to answer them with a lot more ease, such as, um, in the Philadelphia field office scenes in Firewalk With Me, Philip Jeffries appears after a two-year absence. And it it seems like he's time-traveled. Yeah. He's come from another time and another place to be in Philadelphia. And he tells Agent Cooper that, like, do you know who this is? He, he doesn't see... He seems surprised to see Agent Cooper there. Yeah. Um, people have interpreted that in the past as being, well, Agent Cooper is in the lodge. But Philip Jeffries, unless he traveled to the lodge at some point between 1987 and 1989, when that or 88, whenever whenever it was that he was missing, um, that doesn't really it doesn't. I'm not sure it makes a lot of sense. But if Philip Jeffries is traveling from another timeline and he sees Agent Cooper there, that might cause him some alarm. It also explains why there are two Agent Coopers in that scene. There's an Agent Cooper standing still in the hallway, and then another Agent Cooper comes up behind him and he they're both they both exist in the same frame at the same time so you know we we talked about doppelgangers the the idea has been brought forward people have just assumed that this was agent cooper's doppelganger but if in that moment in the philadelphia field office there's a a rip in the space-time continuum well, which makes sense because all of a sudden uh, David Bowie shows up. What's his yeah, name? Uh, Philip Jeffries. Philip Jeffries. He shows up all of a sudden. Yeah. Cooper's so there twice. Is it possible that there People are there confused was... about what's going on. Yeah. Who stuff. is where? Who is supposed to be here? Um, Agent Rosenfield calls down to the front desk and says Philip Jeffries was never here, even though they just saw him there. So so there's there's playing around with space and time a lot in that episode or in that part mm, of that movie. of the movie. Annie Blackburn as well um time travels she comes from the black lodge in 1989 she travels back in time a month and a half or so to be in laura palmer's bed to tell her that she's in the black lodge with dale cooper put it write it in your diary so and then she fades away and it's like she's she's not just fading from consciousness and that that could be just a bit of dream logic because that's how dreams work but she's fading away from that timeline too. So is it possible that there are multiple timelines? Uh, I really do think it is possible. It explains how Leland Palmer, how Ray Wise and Cheryl Lee, who plays Laura Palmer are back for the new episodes. It would, it would make sense if there's an alternate timeline that maybe Laura and maybe Leland hasn't killed Laura. Maybe Laura still exists. I'm thinking that this is going to be the new prime timeline, prime timeline for the series. Laura's still dead, but Maddie might not be. Oh, no, Maddie was killed in this. They, they did say that. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe there is one where, yeah, Laura isn't dead and she comes back. Or perhaps the the lodges are some sort of gateway between the universes. And so maybe yeah. at the start, Cooper's going to wind up coming out. 
yeah, into in a, a totally new universe. Different timeline. Yeah, and he'll he won't understand of what's happened, yeah. or or potentially it's the other way around that we're still going to be in the original TV series p- timeline, and then, and then someone's going to be looking. Yeah, or someone's going to come yeah. in from this other well, one. Well, yeah, like Agent Cooper's doppelganger, who we presume exited the lodge at the end of the the series, could be just. A different Agent Cooper from, you know, timeline. the darkest timeline. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it would have <laughs> right? to be if he's. If but he's also, evil like even Bob. even within, you know, the the one thing that bothers me about this theory is that there are inconsistencies between documents that are presented in this book. Yeah. And one of them is um, uh, characters like who who were not brought up in the series at all, so we have nothing to compare it to from the series. We just have to compare it compare things within, within the book. The book. Uh, uh, Dr. Lawrence Jacoby's brother, Robert, is listed as being a um, the editor of the newspaper. At one point, he's described as having died in, in the late 1960s. At a later point, in 1986, yeah, he's he writes, writing uh, a... a uh, oh, is that yeah, true? Yeah, oh, okay. he's writing a, a story about... Um, Margaret, Margaret Lanterman, yeah. or yeah, yeah, who he knew as Maggie Coulson, because they were old chums together yeah, in yeah. school, which doesn't jibe with what we know about his birth date, which would make him a dozen years older than her. So how could he have known her from school? Yeah. So these are all documents. Robert Jacoby does not appear at all in the series. There's no mention of him existing. There's no hint that Dr. Jacoby has a brother even. So these are all things that exist within this book. There's another instance... Um, Oh, yes. So there's another instance where um, Ben Horn is, is listed as, or is said to have been born in 1940, and yet he's also listed as, as the being the student, student manager of the football team in, in 1968. So yeah. he'd be a 28-year-old student manager. Probably not. <laughs> the, uh, the school name has changed from the Steeplejacks to the Lumberjacks, or from the Lumberjacks to the Steeplejacks. The, oh, the team so. name has changed. Oh, okay. Um, so, so these are things that that are internal inconsistencies just within the book that make no kind of real more, reference to yeah. to the outside world of the the series. Yeah. So, what that makes me think the only way I can explain that if that is true is that there are documents in this dos- in this dossier that are from multiple timelines Time as well. Yeah. So you've got a document that says here's Robert Jacoby born in 1931 writing a story or dying in 1968. Here's his his story, and then here's Doctor Jaco- or Robert Jacoby um, in another timeline writing a story about Maggie Lanterman, Maggie Coulson in 1986 then or whatever. Is TP not able to catch those inconsistencies? Like that's that's, that's that, really that makes me think thing. that I mean I know we like to think about the FBI in these worlds as being cloud cuckoo landers yeah. who exist on some other plane of knowledge, but she really does seem incompetent at this point. Yeah. If she can't verify that these things are true, maybe she's just confused. Maybe she doesn't get it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she's, I, I mean, it's hard to tell, but I can't help but think that someone deliberately put those documents together to make whoever's reading the dossier question yeah. what's happening. And I want it to be agent Cooper. I yeah. really do want Agent Cooper to, to have played a role in this because yeah. we find out in in the second document that there was a crime that was committed in 1991. Yes. Crime or crimes committed yeah. in 1991. So it's possible that uh, this was the first murder that bad Cooper committed, committed 
or the the first crime that he committed, yeah. which would which would match with what we know from the end of the story that that Major Briggs knows that Agent Cooper something is wrong with him. So my my theory is that Major Briggs and and it's you know Don S Davies is has died so he won't be back for the series yeah. so major briggs won't be back for the series it would be a convenient way of explaining his absence yeah. that agent cooper killed major briggs possibly killed annie as well i mean yeah, who, knows, who knows right yeah. but but i want to believe that a, a cooper either the good cooper somehow from within the lodge or whatever or from another timeline that wherever he wherever the good cooper was sent to that he's reaching across time putting helping to put together this dossier so that it'll land on gordon cole's desk well yeah and someone will yeah, figure it out and exactly. and he'll be able to be saved well and you think about the the initial dream is set 25 years in the future that might be good cooper who's you know finally meeting with laura and the the man mm-hmm. from another place to learn mm-hmm. who killed laura palmer mm-hmm. right and then transmitting that information back to himself uh, cooper. yeah yeah from in the original right timeline right, right. so it's playing with time. The whole thing is. The well, whole and we've time talked about is. that too. That there's lots of instances of, yeah. of time and space being being messed with in the show. Yeah. This would not be out of character. And I think David Lynch even said in an interview that time travel was something that he was interested in doing, even though he's not a fan of science fiction, and he's not. Uh, he never wanted to do science fiction. Yeah. I could totally buy this as it it. It fits a hundred percent with what we already know about Twin Peaks, and it doesn't strain credulity any more than anything else we've yeah. seen. So you know why? Why not? Yeah. And I think that this. I. I mean, I'm happy with anything that would be. Yeah. If unless no, it's, it is yeah. just a mistake, then I'm going to be really pissed. Yeah. But so any of those theories will work for me, and yeah. I'm going to. I'm thrilled that there's like shit. We're sitting here in you know october of 2016 debating brand new twin peaks material like this this is a dream come true i'm not gonna look a gift horse in the mouth right um but it sucks though (laughs) it's not going to i can't see how it's going to i I think i think this is going to be a really great and if the book is any indication we've only just scratched the surface and to uh, you know there were a lot of people who were really upset about this and i was reading through i had a, a day the other day where i was just not busy at all for 10 hours so i went through hundreds of comments from people on uh the dougpa.com uh website message boards and and there were so many people months ago well not months ago weeks ago who were who were getting leaked copies of the because there were a few pages that were leaked at the end of september and reading them and then you know people who got advanced copies or whose copies pre-order copy shipped early reading through it and st- the you know the inconsistency started to come out and people were canceling their pre-orders because they yeah. were so upset about this and i know what that feels like i can imagine that you know as someone who's a who's a big fan for whom this show looms very large yeah. that anybody messing with it is it, that's sacrilege right but i also have to think like when i was getting really upset reading this book all i had to do was take a step back and realize, like, what is it that I'm looking at here? Yeah. It's Twin Peaks. Yeah. This was never a show that was going to present yeah. everything on a, a silver platter, platter yeah. for you. You're going to have to work for it. We've had to work for it for, for 25 years. Mm-hmm. 
this is no different. Yeah. So approaching this the way that Catherine and Pete and Andrew Packard approach the puzzle box where they get the key at the end. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Or approaching it the way that you do when you watch a, a movie like Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. You've got to you've got to look at this the way Agent Cooper would, and you've got to come at it from a, a different angle. And how you can't get more different than there's a parallel universe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm. I'm really hopeful. Well, yeah, really I, I think excited. this is this is up my excitement because, okay, here's the thing about Twin Peaks though is that despite all its oddity and its and its uh, density, I was still David Lynch's by far most accessible thing since Blue Velvet. Like Blue Velvet was uh, basically a moral. Well, tale. maybe The Elephant Man. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Sure. The Elephant Man's a fairly. But okay, movie. Blue Velvet came after. So yes. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So but those were Blue Velvet's kind of just a morality story, right? Like there's a there's evil underneath, and you have to do everything you can to fight it and save save what's good. Um, and then everything since then has been ma- mostly either incomprehensible or just bad. Like uh, Wild Wild at Heart bad. was not good. Wild at Heart was a weird, but it wasn't weird. It was just like it was just a depressing little tale of. This couple who can't get it together, um, and then but they all exist within this this kind of um, dream. There's a lot of dream. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Exactly. Versus yeah, yeah, reality. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. And that's fine. But like uh, Lost Highway uh, and Inland In Empire are totally incomprehensible. Like you, you you can you can analyze it all you want. I think there's too much there to to really ever. Um, draw a logical conclusion to Mulholland Drive was the opposite Mulholland Drive was very it was once you kind of got it it made a lot of sense I think that one is more accessible than people think yes yeah I think it I think if you watch it the first time you didn't really you didn't really clue in as to some of the key little tiny markers that are in there it would be confusing but But once you you do yeah and you're like oh okay I get it this is now the dream world and this is not the dream world and and it can be confusing that way um Twin Peaks also did that like it was it was very it's a procedural crime drama almost up to a point mixed with a soap opera and those are both very accessible uh fields and then the dream logic is just like it's the it's the x factor that kind of complicates things but you always had a sense that okay this is this is another world. There's there's lodges, but there there is there's a mythos explained there, and you mm-hmm. could you could kind of follow along with what was happening, even right up to the end. You understood that Bob had probably possessed Cooper, and Bob was in Cooper now. Whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing, you didn't know. And then Fire Walk with Me kind of threw that out the window, and Fire Walk with Me was another Lynch confusion mess because it was just there was so much going on, and none of it was about the plot that. Like, the, the amount of time devoted to the confusing parts of the plot were so much smaller than the part devoted to Laura's uh, moral redemption, really, which is the focus of the movie. So, uh, so Twin Peaks has always been, the TV series at least, was a very nice balance and a very accessible balance. It was a very accessible David Lynch project. This, if, if this is an alternate universe thing, and it's, but it doesn't come out and say it's an alternate universe thing. If that applies to the rest of the series, it's going to be an 18 hour long inland empire. And that's what I'm afraid of is that it will be completely inaccessible. I don't think it will be. No, I, I think, because... and I think Mark Frost brings a kind of, I don't want to say populist cause that's, that's like not a, but he, a but good he, thing, but it is kind of, yeah. he, he makes it more accessible. Yeah. And, and that's why I think that's what made Twin Peaks. One of David Lynch's more successful ventures. Yeah. Um, if not the most successful, Probably unless you count Eraserhead being what well, garnered him a lot of attention no, early on. No, the, the uh, Elf Man was probably his most sure, successful. Sure, yeah, movie. okay. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but Twin Peaks is definitely, you know, uh, in terms of critical acclaim yeah. and, and popular yeah, yeah, acclaim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's it's it is his most successful venture. So, um, and I I think you have to credit Mark Frost a lot with that, but yeah. for bringing bring it back to of, a yeah, yeah to that a human level. level. But yeah. but if 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 Mark Frost is going off onto this kind of a tangent. Holy yeah, shit, yeah, man. that could be cause for concern. But the, the no, I don't that... know if it's cause for concern. I don't want to say that. Okay, okay. I think it'll make things really interesting. <laughs> yes, That's... it will. It will do that too. But I think I don't think we have to worry about that. Just for, based on the few, uh, even there was a trailer released last week for mm-hmm. behind the scenes, and it was a couple yes. of the actors talking about it, and they described things as like big things happening. I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was Rosenfeld's actor, Rosenfield, Rosenfield. Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, uh, I think it was him <laughs> who said like big things happen, and there's there's lots of things that are happening in the plot. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens in a lot of Lynch's movies, like Inland Empire and Lost Highway, are his two most yeah, incomprehensible. Yeah, plot wise, nothing there, happens. Yeah, plot wise, there's, there's ideal nothing wise, happens. there's a lot that goes yeah. on. Yeah. Oh yeah. And but it's, it's all on the level of of, kind of semiotics and yeah. symbology and everything and, and meta realities yeah. and stuff like that. So I think I think <clears throat> if based on the actors' comments, at least uh, at least the script probably read like probably a traditional Twin Peaks script it sounds I would like. hope so so um so we'll see I mean it's it's all in the editing bay which is scary when David Lynch it's is in that not. editing bay you have no faith <laughs> no I do I have I have faith you it'll have be zero fun. faith it'll be it'll be you're I'll making me nervous I think you need to stop with okay, the, the negativity here just keep it yourself man <laughs> all right I apologize no I think I think it'll be great I think that the 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 book lends itself to a certain type of Twin Peaks fan we're all here to unpack these mysteries and that's what the book is going to do is give us a mystery to unpack and keep us busy for the next six months or however long it is until they actually have a release date for the new episodes and then we'll find out and if i'm right i'm gonna feel so proud of myself because well it won't matter it'll be so much fun (laughs) it is gonna be it's gonna be such a great even if it uh, is a trip even if it's an 18 hour Inland Empire. It would just be fun to watch. Like, like Inland Empire. Well, all Empire's, these characters that we love so yeah, much are going to be, be there. Yeah. I mean, I. Well, and there's and, so many new actors and stuff that have signed on. But like, but the fact that you've got, I I still think as long as as uh, Agent Cooper is there, yeah, yeah. it's going to be okay because you, you just got to believe that he is he <laughs> yes. is so he's he's going to take you on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And and and. I have to admit that the trailer that was released, seeing him in yes, his I know. You no, gush it, it's now. <laughs> it's not a, it's not gushing. It gave me chills because this is you know the hair and the suit and it's Agent Cooper and Agent Rosenfield and Deputy Brennan. Yeah. Holy shit! Like that's that's insane. Yeah. That is insane. This is an insane and time Jim to be Belushi. a Twin Peaks fan. And Jim Belushi. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's but... so many other new actors that are in part of it. The other thing, I just want to bring this up, because we talked about this earlier. Uh, it's a crazy out there theory, is that Twin Peaks is actually going to bring together all of David Lynch's movies. Mm. So it's going to bring Inland Empire and Mulholland Drive and uh, Lost <laughs> Highway, especially those three uh, Hollywood ones are really kind of What his... were they called? The California? California Connection. California trilogy. Yeah, I don't know like what it that. was, but they but were all, all set, set in California. California. Yeah, and uh, and originally Mulholland Drive was going to feature uh, Audrey Horn, Audrey yeah. Horn, Sherilyn Fenn as the the small town girl who comes to California. Right. So I mean, there were already kind of linkages there, and Laura Dern. I mean, all the actors that are in there, except for Lost Highway, doesn't really have much. But a lot of the actors who were in those films are coming are now announced for Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. So you got to wonder if if there's going to be some crazy crossover. I don't think so. I think since Mark Frost was writing a lot of them, I think it'll be Twin Peaks focused and David Lynch. Just but who knows? His maybe actors. maybe maybe 
the events of Mulholland Drive existed and in happened in one of the parallel universes that yeah. we are that we might be talking about here. Yeah. So who knows? This is all speculation, um, but it's exciting and. Yeah, we can't wait. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, you've enjoyed this kind of breakdown of the book and the various theories behind it that we think are plausible. If you have any more theories or if you hear anything else or you want to engage with this. Yeah, contact Lindsay. Yeah, you know, just (laughs) send me a message or um, I can point you in the right direction to the the various message boards and, and places where... It's where being these discussed. these discussions are ongoing as we speak. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, for the next few weeks, for the next few months, yeah. I bet it's going to be a very active and exciting time to be a Twin Peaks fan. So, you bet. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.